Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Ricky, and with me as always is Bill. Hey, guys. And James. Hello. We're a couple disabled guys passionate about gaming and accessibility, and together we are Wheel Life Problems. <laughs> I like the overemphasis there. It's great. I gotta, I gotta sell it. You know, I gotta make sure people are interested in what we have to say. You know, you know, all the attention is, all the attention is garnered in the first ten minutes, and so that little emphasis right there, someone's gonna be like, "Ooh, I'm interested now." But so that's the reason why I'm staying. Mm-hmm. So, so any for any of you uh, passionate listeners out there, or are huge fans. You may have noticed that I didn't introduce Brandon in that intro today. Um, so, due to unfortunate circumstances, he is no longer with us. And now I just realized I made it sound like he's dead. But he is not dead. <laughs> he just has other projects that he is working very diligently <laughs> on, such as the accessible streamers community, which is ever so growing, and it's something I'm part of. And it's a really good project, and it's. You know, it's just, it just, uh, he just has a lot on his plate. He's a, I don't know how he does what he does. He's an amazing human being. <laughs> yeah. So, so he may, he may not be part of uh, Wheel Life Problems anymore. Maybe we can have him as a guest or something in the future, you know, so we'll keep him around. But, you know, we wish Brandon all the best in the future. But from here on out, it's just going to be us three beautiful voices that you hear from now on. Yes. We got, we got two Americans and a Scot. That's it. Was, uh, that was like a nice try. That was a, it's, uh, <laughs> see, <laughs> I, I do actually find it really. I don't take offense to it. I do find it really funny when people try and do Scottish accents. Um, so we're gonna. I think it's amusing. <laughs> are we gonna get on? Get stuck on the Shrek rant again? Oh, don't get me started. Oh, oh, God. oh God, we went right to Shrek. Yeah. <sighs> I, okay, okay, so just. For my edification, how how would you, how do you say Scott in the Scottish accent? Scott, 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 Scott. See, when, oh, my. when I hear you say it, it sounds like you're almost going Russian, but you're close. Oh. <laughs> well, I'll I'll work on it. So next time, in Soviet Russia, for <laughs> yeah. next time, I'll have it worked on. But... <laughs> All right, so. Moving on, today's topic in Wheel Life Problems, the problem is disability education and video, and video, the use of video games within disability education. So, take it away guys, what, what we, uh, we decided we were all going to do a little bit of research on our ends, find what we have, and uh, who wants to get started on, one, on some of their findings or anything they want to share? Um... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess I could chime chime in. I got some stuff. I got some things and stuff to say. All right. Lay it on me, Bill. Okay. So a lot of the research that I looked into had to do with IDEA, which stands for Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. And the reason why I looked into this is because I figured, well, this is kind of at the forefront of like when you start school. And a lot of people, you know, start school at varying points, or maybe they get handicapped at, you know, maybe they're not born with it. Maybe it's later on. But regardless, I uh, looked up quite a few things here. And basically, this is made up of six different elements. You got IEPs, 
which are individual education. Uh, uh, well, it stands for individual education program or individual education plan. Um, I had one myself, and basically what they would do for this is um, they would. This is basically how they would figure out, you know, what the plan of attack is, you know, for someone that's disabled, and how they're going to, you know, how to, you know, procedurally give them like, you know, the best education they possibly can. Um, there was also a lot in here about evaluation, making sure that you do a proper evaluation of you know, what disabilities and services they may need. Um, and I, I feel like that's because someone could take advantage of the system, right? Yeah, because there's there's also uh, procedural things like, you know, like, uh, for instance, uh, some of the procedural safeguards that I looked into, and that's what they kind of highlight the, that element of the um, idea as. And it's basically like access, you know, making sure the parents have full access to any educational records, which should be the case in any, you know, in any circumstances, regardless of if disabled or not. Um, also, you know, parents need to have parents need to be fully involved in the IEP process, and they have to actually sign off as to, you know, they agree with what is, you know, the the plan of education for their child. Right. I'm, I'm guessing that only applies to minors, though. No adults, they don't have to have their parents sign up for. No, well, I guess no, no. Not, not at that, that point. Yeah, I guess, I guess it would depend on the varying degree of the disability as well, too, because I guess if you are above 18, but you're a dependent disability, I guess you would need a parent or a guardian to sign off on something. Right. And then this could go as far as like legal, you know, like civil litigation and stuff like that. That's in like a really extreme case where, I mean, they were really you know, screwing up and not really doing anything for the child. But, um, you know, uh, but one of the other things that I noticed about this was also they talk, you know, they also talk about the act in America, No Child Left Behind. And basically, I didn't really understand what, what exactly that was before reading this, but apparently there is financial incentives that the federal government will provide to a state to improve their uh, improve the their uh, special education programs, and if it is not if if they find that it has not been improved or it has not helped, they actually are responsible for refunding that money to the federal government, which is kind of crazy because who knows? Like I'm pretty sure it's a decent amount of money. I I wasn't able to figure out the exact amount because I think that varies from state to state. Um, but right, then, so, yeah, let me ask you a question. So just to make sure yeah. I understand is you're saying like, say if I find an incentive program and get say $5,000 for school, right. And it turns out I, the schooling doesn't work for me or, you know, or I fuck up in school. I have to pay back that $5,000 is what you're saying. Not the individual, the actual educate, uh, the, the institution or the state, uh, the state educate, uh, you know, the state educational entity, I guess, because that's basically where the money's going to. It's going to the state for their okay. special ed services. So it's not going to the individual. It's going to, okay, no, I no, see no. Okay, no, I see what you're getting at. Yeah, and then, the, and then there's even, like, further, like, uh, ways for them to figure out, like, you know, they have a thing. They, they uh, made an amendment in uh, 2004 for state performance plans and annual performance reports. 
and basically they have to come up with an evaluation of how they did, and then they gotta they gotta basically report on the fact that this is what we're going to do to improve said services to make it better for everybody. And uh, another thing that I would add to this probably would be the fact that I saw also in here with IDEA um, that they have to, uh, right here it says, uh, free appropriate public education, which they say right here, education that emphasizes special education and related services designed to meet their unique needs and prepare them for further education, employment, and independent living. So it's not just, I mean, it, it starts at the school, but then this is supposed to be kind of like they're supposed to get you hooked up with the other agencies like uh, DARS after the fact. You know, like I remember when I was in school. And for those, sorry, not to interrupt you, but for those that don't know, DARS stands for uh, Disability Aging and Rehabilitation Services. Right, right. And that's where that's where you end up getting a caseworker as an adult. Um, and they would help with like, independent living, employment accommodations, um, you know, even maybe help you with like college accommodations, which you do have to go through a separate counselor at in college to be able to, you know, wreak all the, you know, get all those benefits. But, um, you know, that's basically where you would start out. And I just thought it was, I don't know. And then, and then to kind of share my own personal thing with it is that like, you know, I dealt with IEPs throughout my whole education. You know, and it was like, uh, I don't know, it was a process, but it was like, I can see where it's effective. I can see where it's effective and it helps, um, you know, and I know this doesn't really show where technology helps, but I do know that, you know, technology is part of this and that's part of how the learning is happening now. You know, the, the use of iPads, the use of visual aids and other things like that. I didn't go as in depth into the technology um, I went more into the legal and the, you know, <laughs> what services are available, I guess. Right. Well, um, so some things that I found was, um, I mean, that's really interesting. We can go back, we can uh, get back to more of our personal experiences after we all kind of like lay yeah, down yeah, that... everything we find. Um, yeah. But I like uh, some articles that I found. Um, was talking about like you mentioned technology with iPads and stuff like that, but how video games are benefiting um, like disability education nowadays. Now, especially people with like special needs, uh, like men more so uh, mental in the mental capacity, maybe not the physical uh, sense. But they found like uh, it helps with people working on their social skills um, because it's more of like um, it's less intimate and less intimidating. When you you know work on social skills with uh, right. uh, through a video game as opposed to face to face, um, people with autism they tend to respond well to video games and disability or uh, with video games and education um, because a lot of them they're um, it's easier to make a mistake in a video game that is in real life and they can help them adapt to actually making mistakes in the real world and stuff. <laughs> And then, of course, uh, you know, as far as like, you know, physical, you know, like video games can help with motor skills and flexibility um, that some people may be lacking in some <laughs> sense, um, which are some things I found pretty cool because, you know, like before video games, maybe, or maybe even like, you know, 10, 15 years ago before video games were as prominent as they are now, you know, like there's like, uh, 
album lost my train of thought um they weren't as prevalent as they are today and it's cool seeing how video games are adapting to more of the world than just entertainment you know mm, mm. yeah so i mean for me um most of my sort of digging about ended up sort of leading me down towards like what rights people have in the uk as a disabled student um at varying levels of education so I was sort of having a look through things like the UK government website to find out like what exactly what protections are you can you expect from discrimination when you um, when you want to go into like any level of education really I suppose so yeah and it seems to be from what I've saw it's the same sort of protections that you would be afforded under the Equalities Act of twenty ten. So for those of you that don't know, that would be the that's the the law in the UK that um, prevents uh, people from being discriminated against in various parts of society for m- many different reasons. So that could be disabilities. Well, it covers disabilities obviously, but it also covers um, things like sexual orientation, gender, um, religion, things like that. And yeah, so. I wonder if that tested to be similar with any, uh, I mean, for the UK laws, like, I wonder if that's similar to the the United States ADA law. Like, I don't know if the UK has, like, their own ADA law as well, but, yeah, or think, if it's called ADA. I think at one point it did, but in, I think around about 2010, they just um, rolled a lot of laws that had similar, um, that offered similar protections to various groups. Uh, all into the one Equalities Act. So, uh, just generally because uh, so many of them were probably quite similar. You know, like you can't be discriminated against for. Let's see, I'll just pull up my notes here, actually. So, yeah, like direct discrimination. So, you can't be denied entry into uh, a course, in, uh, like a college or university course or a school, on account of a disability. Well, of course, that act would also cover. Um, would that like the act also makes it illegal for them to not? Uh, wait a minute. Let me get my train of thought here. The act makes it illegal <laughs> for them to uh, deny you entry onto a course. Say if you were gay or if you were black or if um, I think a recent one was that got added to it that was tested in the course was if you believe in Scottish independence, then they're not allowed to deny you entry into a course because of that. I think okay, <laughs> I wouldn't quote me on that, um, but I think yeah that that came about. I think somebody was um, lost a lost a job because they were so staunchly in favour of independence and the the, the mm. yeah that's the whole thing. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a whole other. That's a big yeah. book can of worms. Um, so yeah, mm. yeah, and sort of following on from that, I was looking into the basically pulled up an article on The Guardian that was sort of, and I'll post it in the, the show notes as well, it was by the, the UK University's educational education minister. God, you'd think I would have, yeah. you'd think I'd be able to remember the guy's name and job title before I actually come onto this show. <laughs> but yeah, let's see, I'll try and find these details, but he was talking about um, just how well the government is doing and improving things in education for people with disabilities which I mean the statistics may be there to support them 
but it's yeah you know, I, I, I still believe that there's not enough people with disabilities getting into education it's, I expect the numbers are way lower than the rest of the population and that's got to change well it's interesting I have that same article pulled up that um, you sent um, it's cool seeing that um, just kind of like in the I think it's the third paragraph it's saying that 94,120 new students with a disability enrolled at a university in England from 27 to 18 and that's more than 6,000 in the previous year and more than 26,000 than in 2013 and 14 which goes to show you know like that I guess people are with disabilities are seeking an education and I don't know if the correlation is maybe you know they're making things easier or maybe people or the information's out there more or maybe people are just kind of like now waking up like oh maybe we need to be smart too well yeah I expect it's probably a, a whole uh, collection of factors that are uh, bringing the numbers up you know things like um, just maybe greater awareness of what people's rights are and what they what they can expect um, from education. You know what they feel what they're what they should be entitled to, and um, better provisions right. of like funding and support by the universities and by um, uh, sort of uh, grants and extra funding for people with disabilities. So in Scotland we have the Disabled Students Allowance, which pays for some of the extra costs that come around because of uh, that you would experience having a disability and pays for extra equipment or software that you might need um, yeah so that and probably as well just people with disabilities having more access to technology I think these days as well through just add you <laughs> at least for people for people with disabilities it's all like screen readers and sort of smartphone access and things like that that make a big big difference right. um so yeah yeah i mean it does seem like the rates are improving but at the same time you know there's no can't just sit on our sit on our backsides and congratulate ourselves on the work on good work you know it's all we need to keep keep a watchful eye on it and make sure that there's the numbers don't start to dip. Right. Yeah, it's funny. It's just a. Uh, it's funny. It's just as technology increases, just overall accessibility, just also increases. And in um, now I'm losing my train of thought too. But um, <laughs> don't laugh. I have a disability. <laughs> Not in that area. <laughs> Yeah, damn it. <laughs> the point I was just saying is just like, I, it makes sense, you know, that more, I, like, I'm sure it hasn't changed. Like, I'm sure people with disabilities have always wanted to get an education throughout time, you know? Mm. But the fact that, you know, there is more accessibility out there due to technology makes it, like, that much more accessible, I guess. Um, and it's important, you know, that uh, that people see that they can get an education and not just kind of like you said, well, I guess you didn't say that, but sit on your backsides, but I'm kind of mixing up words, but yeah. No, I know, I know what you mean. Like, I think it makes a big difference to as well. Like if you have seen somebody with a disability in education, or if you see somebody with a disability that's doing a job that would require, you know, like a college degree or, you know, in you know various qualifications, that type of thing can really change your view of what maybe you can achieve. Do you know what I mean? Right. Certainly. So, can, 
let me ask you guys a question. Like, what does education mean to you? Oh, yeah. Well, um, Bill, right. you, I've been you yapping for a while. Me. Do you want to jump on? <laughs> you would ask me. You would, you would throw some wrench in there. Like, well, okay, I'll go. I'll, I'll... You have to actually think. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a general question. It's like, you know. No, like... no, it is a good question. No, no, no. I can address it. No. Um, education, I think, is super important. But I think it's, I think it's a matter of addressing the particular needs of the individual because there are different education needs for different people. Um, I don't necessarily subscribe to the fact that, you know, telling people, oh, you, oh, you have to go for higher education. It's a must, you know, I know we're not really talking so much about that, but I'm just saying that there are a variety of different types of school that I think might, might also be good too, because there's, there's still handicapped people that I feel would want to maybe do more of a trade type school. So like something involving computers maybe, but there's a lot of options for that. I feel like there's a lot of, there's also a lot of self-education methods too. I think we're in a much different age than just depending on the typical brick and mortar thing. But I think it's important to make as many accessible avenues for people to learn as possible. I feel like that's what we need to keep pushing that agenda, you know? I'm sorry yeah, to throw no, a wrench in this, but somebody has just chapped my front door, so I need to go. I'll be back in two seconds. <laughs> it's quite <laughs> fun. What about to you, Ricky, though? <laughs> you just hear James run away. Run away, James! Yeah. Oh, that's quite the wrench. I don't know. Um, let's see. But we'll, it's good, we'll, though. We'll wait for James. We'll, we'll let him edit this little, this little lull out, and then I'll go to what education means for me. Bill had asked me what education means to me, and for me, what ed what education means is just like a sense of a sense of normalcy for me, you know. Because there was a while there when I was first injured where I just wasn't doing school or anything. I didn't start going. I took a class in 2012 when I was 22, and then I didn't really start taking it seriously till about like 2017, where I started trickling classes in here and there. And now I'm a full-time student and hopefully should have a degree within a year. And yeah. like I said, for me, it's just a sense of normalcy, knowing that I can kind of like um, be a part of something and not feel different. Like um, like being able to go to class and just kind of intermingle with people again and just be like, oh, we're all part of the same collective whole, all trying to you know achieve a goal. Right. We're all trying to better ourselves and of course, there are those little rotten eggs in class who are all just there because their parents are paying for school and they don't give a shit. But we don't yeah. care about those people. But for me, it's just like I just <laughs> I education means a lot to me because I like to learn and I like to absorb and I like to have access to that education. And that's like just bottom line. It's just, it's a sense of normalcy for me that I don't I can't get otherwise. Yeah. But James, what's what's education mean to you now? And you had you had some time to think while you're running around. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, so yeah. stumbling. No, no. It's um for me, um, being in education as a person with a disability, it gives me that opportunity to <clears throat> just be a part of be a part of wider society in a way that perhaps um, I wouldn't have been able to. Um, maybe like 10, 20, well not, not 10 years ago but like maybe 50, 100 years ago or whatever my sight loss would have been a barrier to you know um, getting an education 
these days it's it's something that I can that someone with sight loss can realistically achieve and through that it just opens up so many doors for people with disabilities um, it's just right. it's so important to be part of it's this type of thing that allows people with disabilities to I just feel like I'm just talking around in circles here <laughs> but it's 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 important because people with disabilities need a voice and people with disabilities need to be able to um, communicate their needs and opinions on all sorts of various subjects and uh, getting an education whether it's a you know higher education college masters phd level or whether it's just a, a simple whether it's just like basic education um <clears throat> you know these things are the those that gives it it gives people with disabilities the the tools that they need to sort of argue their case express themselves be a part of the world in the same way that everybody else is so it's for me it's something that sort of enables me to to or makes me able to to do these things to 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 do what I want to do I suppose you you may say that you're uh, talking in circles, but no, that was very well said, and I can relate to that. Uh, the part where you said that it it makes you feel enabled that's a very important part of education as well, too. Is mm. yeah, you, and I feel like that kind of relates to what I said in that sense of normal that normalcy, where you know you kind of forget that you know, or it helps you remember that you are still an individual within the society, you know, and the education can give you that tool to like you said enable it yeah yeah i mean it doesn't matter which type of education you're going to whether you know whatever Mm -hmm. level it's at or whatever you're studying just to be part of that to be part of a a group of people that are interested in the subjects that are working towards a goal like you said bill um like you said ricky um it's it's so important so important right So here's here's my next question is is um what like personal barriers have you come across when it comes to schooling in your own personal experience and how did you overcome them? Don't don't ever don't everyone answer at once. <laughs> There's several instances of that that shit throughout education, damn. Yeah, cuz uh then let, let what's something that you like came across? Then this could be in your high school, middle school career, Bill, or uh, college years, whatever. Um, what I found is that the um the services that they have within the school system, um, and we are talking about the United States here. I just want to clarify that because we are, you know, <laughs> James is giving his perspective. From across the pond, we're but, uh, multicultural. But but at the same time, I feel like there's some things that, that kind of remain the same. But obviously, from the standpoint of you know the programs that they have, like the IEP, I think it's super important to kind of gauge where things are, because I fall somewhere kind of like it's kind of like I have ADHD um, like symptoms because the essential muscle protein that I'm missing in my muscles due to having muscular dystrophy called dystrophin also is present in the brain. And with not having it, your your ability to focus is is altered. 
So therefore, that's why I had to be in the special education programs. Um, one thing that I've noticed is that it's cool how they have like a caseworker that will kind of, kind of like look after you and kind of help guide you through things. Um, I think one of the things that I had the most trouble with is just like kind of staying on task. And I feel like there were some count, there were some uh, kind of caseworkers that did a better job of working with me uh, to kind of like figure out my style of how they need to kind of like work the material. Like, so that way I, I, I get what I need out of it, but I also get it done in a sufficient way. Um, so that's kind of, you know, and then there was like teachers that wouldn't understand some of this stuff sometimes. And that, that I found very frustrating where it was like, you know, they thought that it was ridiculous that I'd have to have accommodations like, you know, uh, being able to have a test read to me in a smaller group and stuff. And I mean, that really didn't happen through my whole career, but there was one teacher in particular that was just very difficult um, about it a lot of times. Um, was it was it kind of like they were skeptical of you? Like, oh, he doesn't need this kind of thing? Or they were just kind of like... Yeah, I think it was like that. I was They just didn't feel like maybe it was required. But I mean, part of what kind of got me in the system had to do with the fact that um, see, I was held back in first grade, so it put me in this weird spot with, like, people I knew. It was really strange, like, from that perspective, but it was also, uh, it was just, it was one of those decisions that was really hard for my mother to make, but it was one of those things that I just was not, I just didn't grasp the material and the objectives. I, I just did not, I just wasn't ready, you know, and I feel like that's, that's, you know, and the teachers also advised very well on that, but I feel like that's something that it kind of needs to be figured out. You need to figure out how to have that dialogue with the teachers, with the other staff that you're dealing with, and then the relationship the parents may have with the staff is also super important because, you know, I mean, I, I not, I'm not going to name any names, but there were people that I saw that I felt like their parents really weren't present and just weren't really it weren't really helping them and it was unfortunate you know because the school's trying to do everything to help them but they can only do so much you know so it's kind of like my experience you know right well hot dang what about you james like what barriers did you like come across and yeah well i mean for me high school was probably the 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 biggest the most challenging point of having really? a disability um, in education, largely because it wasn't diagnosed until the the year following uh, my sort of high school graduation, my final year. So, oh, really? Yeah, so for a long time, I lost a lot of my sight um, during, probably would have been during maybe during the summer between second and third year, or at some point during my third year. But I didn't realise it because I would be frequently breaking my glasses and then I thought, oh, perhaps I've just got the wrong prescription, but these will do. And, you know, for a long time, even with my glasses on in, in high school, I would be moved to the front of the class to try and see what was on the, the, the blackboards and the overhead projectors and things like that. And I still couldn't read it. So I went from being a student who in first and second year was like maybe top of my year in maths and things like that to being a student that was failing and failing hard in most of his subjects. 
Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was difficult, but it took for... I must have been in, like, maybe my fifth year, or maybe just... Uh, maybe sixth year. It would have been... I think it would have been sixth year, actually, the my final year at high school, where I took a... The school nurse was doing, like, colour blindness tests, and I was getting some of the numbers, but not one... It was, like hit and miss you know I was I wasn't able to read some things which I should have been able to read and I wasn't I was able to read things some of I could have got some I got some of it but not others and there wasn't really a pattern to it that indicated color blindness so that concerned the nurse and she re- mentioned to me that I should and I think maybe she sent a, a letter home to my mum as well just to say like maybe you should get this boy's eyes checked <laughs> um <laughs> So then by the time I'd finished high school, mm. it was all, the wheels were in motion to get that get that looked at. But for a long time, it was very, it was very hard to, to just to, to follow along with the classes, you know, because the teachers just thought that I was either, you know, just acting up or that, you know, maybe I just didn't have the right glasses and it they didn't really feel like it was maybe, they, maybe they didn't feel like it was their responsibility to look into that any further. But yeah, it was it was a, ch- a challenging time, for sure. <laughs> so, after you were diagnosed with the with the, the sight loss, yeah. partial blind, yeah, the sight loss. Like, so what changed? Like, were you able to? Mm. Or did they like create accommodations for you afterwards? Or well, by that point, I was I was well out of high school, so um, it was only until I'd already done maybe. I think how long it would have been. So I went straight into university after that, and I ended up at doing a BSc in software engineering at the University of Glasgow. But I still didn't really have a handle on my sight loss, so I got like three, like halfway through the year, and was still really struggling to manage. And I wasn't offered any support by the university because at the time I didn't dis- I didn't feel like I was a disabled person. <laughs> I mean, largely because my view of what a person with a disability is was coloured very much by, like, I mean, I, I was I was a teenager, so it's like, well, I mean, people with disabilities have wheelchairs and things like that. I mean, I'm, I've just got, my eyes just don't work very well. That's not a disability. Right, yeah, so you thought it more of it like the physical aspect and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't sort of consider myself to be disabled, and so that... Um, made me unable to to seek out the <clears throat> that sort of refusal to classify myself as a person with a disability made me exempt from any support for disabilities if you know what I mean like if you're not if you don't think if you don't say you're disabled then they'll be like well if you're not disabled why are you coming to us then the disabled sort of students support service at the university and it's like because I can't see well is it a disability no <laughs> so like but one a lot of the problems there were just it was just me and my inability to um sort of realize that being visually impaired is obviously a disability and so you're terms with it. a little you're stubborn yeah yeah just like just being really sort of pig-headed about like my sight loss and not wanting to acknowledge or not wanting to to accept I'm not really understanding that the the term disability goes beyond um, goes beyond wheelchairs. Do you know what I mean? 
right. I, I was very right, right. I was very stupid as a 17 year old I think <laughs> uh, well I mean like uh, when we're teenagers like I, identity is everything you know mm. like you have to identify everything with stuff this that and that and like if you have to identify with a disability which you didn't know that you had like your entire life that's like trying to adapt to a new ident- identity and, and stuff and that kind of stuff is hard for younger people to kind of like come across be like oh shit I'm not the identity I thought I was but I want to cling on to the identity that I have but I have this newfound one that is me and I can't change it and stuff and that can you know for you know going back to what we said earlier it throws a wrench in things yeah yeah although thankfully I did manage to eventually sort of um, decide okay maybe I do have a disability maybe Maybe this is this is something I need to accept, and then slowly but surely I got around to finding ways to make it work for me rather than against me. Um, and that went after that things went a lot better for me. Nice, well, that's good. So the barriers I've like come across in in education is mainly my own stubbornness of course like I said it took me a while to get into school mainly because I was like I focus on the fact that my hands don't work and I can't do much I'm like I can't go to school I can't do anything that everyone else does and stuff but eventually I was like you know I was like fuck it you know I need to do something um so like the main things I come across is just like like I said my my hands don't work so I can't take notes I can't do writings in class and stuff but luckily, um, I have an amazing disability counselor at Nova or Northern Virginia Community College, um, where they'll actually um, they'll um, uh, they'll provide a scribe or scribe and or reader for me. So that way, you know, like they'll they'll do note taking for me while I'm in class and help me out with anything I need to do, like written wise and stuff, which is super helpful. Which also I it's helpful in more ways than I thought. Cause now I can like focus more on like what's being taught and I don't have to focus on like, Oh, do I have to write that down? Do I have to write down? And I was like, I have someone else writing down everything for me. And then they send me the notes. I can overview them. I can do most of my stuff on my computer at home and things. And just the accommodations I've had from Nova have been really up and up, above and beyond, which I, wouldn't have like thought about so i mean if there's people out there that are like wondering if you can even go to school it's like talk to someone find out who the disability counselor is at any school and make them your first contact and be like i want to get smarter how do i do this and stuff and that's my how i've gone about it and seems to be working pretty well so far yeah, because like the support is there for I think I mean obviously it depends where you live, right? I can't say that for all people in all countries, but you know at least certainly here in the UK, there are there are schemes, there is government funding for things like um, you know maybe extra equipment that you might need, and um, under UK law as well, I think they're at least required to make basic um, reasonable adjustments to accommodate people with disabilities on their courses. They can't not take you onto the course because of your disability and things like that. So it's it's, it's all, um, I think it's generally more achievable than a lot of people with disabilities might think. 
Yeah, and the one the one thing I've come across too is like everyone is always eager to help as long as you get a conversation going. Like, and like uh, I try and meet with my professors every single time, uh, every semester, like beforehand, be like, hey, this is my situation. Uh, what's the class like? When, you know, what 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 can I expect? And everyone's like, yeah, I'll work with you. We'll do whatever we can. Um, as long as they see that you have that attitude of like, I want to do this. And you're not just doing this because of you feel obligated to or you're not like just bullshitting your way through something. Most people will be eager to help and be like, yes, I want to help you achieve that goal that you have of achieving a higher education. And that's definitely what I've come across the most. I have. I haven't really come across anyone that's been like to say like, no, I don't want to help. I've had like a bad scribe before and I've had to like, which is like a whole different hurdle on its own, but that has nothing to do with the disability. It's just that person was an idiot. (laughs) But, you know, like I said, most people are willing to help. And if you want to get education, go for it, you know, just, and also like um, for me, FAFSA, I don't know if you have anything equivalent to like that in Scotland, which is like a government funded aid program where they're basically paying. I get like a certain amount of grant money and they're basically paying for all my schooling, my books and everything. And so I'm almost in a sense getting paid to go to school. And that sounds like a pretty sweet deal. (laughs) Yeah. It's great. That's why I'm like I'm. That's why like it's weird. Like I, in high school, I was a shitty student. Like I was, um, like I was, I, I was smart. You know, like I knew, I understood the material and everything like that. And I, you know, I was a good test taker. But I, I didn't. I goofed off in school. I didn't do the homework because I was, you know, I was a fucking kid. And you know, I was like, oh, I want to go outside, have fun, ride my bike, mm. and stuff. <laughs> But like, took uh, lunch trays home, you know. <laughs> yep, that's <laughs> guilty of that too. Yeah, I was a shithead. Why? But, uh... <laughs> but damn it, really, you made me lose train of thought. Yeah, I know, but it's just like I remember. I remember Joel telling me about that. Just like he's just like he didn't understand it. He's just like he, I'd just come over and he'd have like. <laughs> he'd open up his backpack and I'd see and just like try it. Yeah. Just, you know, I think I've Go on, James. I was gonna say just like, you know you you just had the Sorry. need to take the lunch tray, just take it and figure out what you're gonna do with it later. Clearly you've got some <laughs> kind of subconscious plan for the for the lunch tray that's yet to reveal itself. <laughs> I oddly oddly enough I did use them. Oh you did? <laughs> I ended up using one of them to help paint my guitar i took off a pick guard on my guitar and used it as a platform to paint on so i didn't get paint everywhere oh there so, you go yeah i did end up using it so one it was one of the flat lunch trays that didn't have like a mold out on it and stuff but yeah, yeah one yeah. of them was used for a purpose it was used <laughs> yes but what um back to the original train of thought was if you're listening to this and you have some sort of disability and you're like, can I go out and get an education? Can I do this? Yes, you can. Like, it's just that very cliche saying of like, we can do it, you can do it. But yes, you can. Just the, like I said, the process is, just, you know, find a first contact, find a dis, 
like go on a website, make a phone call, be like, uh, do you have a disability services pr- representative I can talk to? Something like that. And just go from there. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the we can do it, you can do it thing, obviously, that's not necessary. It's not exactly what we're saying, but because it's a very sort of cliche thing and it's it really puts the... We don't want to make people who have been putting off pursuing an education or who haven't thought that they could achieve it or, or things like that. It's not, you know, it's not your fault for, for thinking that, you know, disabilities can be very, they can take a lot of your confidence away, you know, and, and you're, so it's, it's totally understandable, but it, for me, like, just seeing people like myself with sight loss doing things that I didn't think I'd be able to do really helped me sort of realise that actually maybe I, I could do these things, I could do things like like for example, this isn't education yeah, but um, when I was first started um, getting involved with the Royal National Institute of Blind People, it was through a pre-employment course, which was led by someone with no sight and they turned up to the job every day that I was there, you know suit, tie, looking every bit, the the salary man, the office guy that um, that he was, you know, he was he was very good at his job, but I was really sort of felt put in my place by that because it's like oh I've got all this all these hang ups about like what I can and can't do, and there's this guy with no sight coming in making it look easy, and it's because he's good at it and he knows his he knows his stuff, and he's got there through you know hard work and a decent education and and I'm rambling again. But it's important to see people <laughs> with disabilities doing these things. If you're someone with a similar disability that maybe thinks that you can't, it can really, right. to use the, the dreaded I word, inspire. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say it again. I think it's, do it. it's, it's all right to disability, people with disabilities being all inspirational if you're inspiring fellow people with disabilities, I suppose. Or maybe, right. No. Or maybe not. Maybe. Maybe I should just. No. 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 I totally. I. <laughs> I totally. One hundred percent agree with you. Yeah. Like seeing someone in your own situation achieving what you thought you couldn't, like, kind of puts things in perspective of like, oh, okay. Well, I guess. I guess it just takes a little bit of work. Especially if you can get a chance to, you know, have a chat with them and find out what what they do. Um, peer support is, I think, massively important. You know. Yeah, and if anyone that's listening, you know, you can reach. I mean, I'm I'm speaking for myself, and I guess, but I can speak for you guys. You know, reach out to us if we have any questions that you can an- we can answer in any way. I mean, I least you know. Yeah, we can we can help. I guess if in any aspect that we can, you know, to the best of our knowledge and ability. You know, I'm not going to get you into school, but you know. <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah. That's that's the message. Go out and get your learns on. The more you know. Oh, that's how we should end that podcast. End the podcast. Just that the star swipe. The more you know. Did you have that in uh, Scotland? No. Is that I've I've seen references to. Is that like a, an NBC thing or something? Yeah. It's, I can't remember exactly what the what the campaign for it was, but there are always like these little commercials where they'd have like some kind of celebrity or something and be like. Like they'd say some kind of snippet, you know, be like, 
you know, drinking and driving takes lives. I knew someone like that, or, you know, like this book is great. And it taught me this and that. And then it would always just end with a little star swipe with a rainbow and be like, the more, you know, and it's a little jingle. You know, this has nothing to do with anything. Hori came out with this awesome grip controller that I had to post because I just saw it pop up on my feed and thought it was kind of neat. Sweet. Well, I'm just <laughs> there. I see what you're talking about. Is it um, before it comes up? Is it for the Switch? Is it? Uh... Yeah, it's a Switch Hori uh, Split Pad Pro controller. It it's really cool. Like this thing is seriously cool, guys. I'm sorry. I know it's completely off track, but it's like it was worth showing. All right, yeah, yeah. Well, then next episode we can get into it. That could be part of it, yes. 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 <laughs> All righty, guys. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap things up unless anyone has any final thoughts or any interjections they want to get off their chest beforehand. Um, No, I think I'm good. <laughs> okay. Well, the message is clear. Go get yourself educated, folks. Make them make yes. your brain smarts again. But alrighty then. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Wheel Life Problem. See, I did it again. <laughs> you can subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found. Follow us on Twitter at Problems Wheel. You can follow me on social media. I'm at the Rickles. You can follow Bill. He's at Wheelchair Gamer. Don't forget that last E is built with a three. And then you can follow James at James Kyle. Thanks again. And remember to keep it wheel.